stories brought to you by Refuge Ministries Canada. For the next half hour, your hearts will be filled with hope as you hear real-life stories from individuals that have been changed by the power of God. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories. My name is Johnny Tina. I'm your guest host. And my guest tonight is Branch Eselin. He is an author, a poet, and a storyteller, and is known worldwide for sharing different stories about prose and emotions and issues experienced, but not always voiced. Thanks for joining us tonight, Branch. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you, Johnny. It's a great pleasure and honor to be with you tonight. Tell me what led you into storytelling and poetry, and those things are birthed from experiences in a person's heart. So what led you down that path? That's a great question. I was never a great student, and I wasn't much of a reader, in all honesty, until I got into the Army. And I never thought of myself as any kind of a writer or storyteller per se. And as I experienced sort of the typical adult life that that many people, especially in, in Western civilization, you know, education, career, job, family, all of those kind of experiences and, and dynamics that we find ourselves in. I was a great sinner, and I was definitely on the world's path. When I was about 35, I became really disillusioned and confused about my life. And I was disappointed that I was so self-centered. And it caused so much stress and so much struggle and so much conflict that I decided, you know, there's got to be a better way to live. I had grown up in a Christian home, but we were kind of like Christmas and Easter Christian. We weren't real involved in the church. And I had some basic instruction when I was a teenager living in Europe, but I wasn't really fundamentally based in in Christianity or, or religion per se. And so when I started on my struggle and my search for truth, I abandoned Christianity and I studied and looked at some Eastern religions and mysticism and Eastern philosophies. And I did that for about five years. And it took me down a whole different path than what I had experienced, you know, early in my life. And so in my studies, I got a little bit of a breadth and depth of different spiritual belief systems. I then had three life-changing epiphanies over the next 10 years. And, you know, they were the things that brought me back to Christianity, back to the Christian path. And one changed my life, one changed my path, and the last one changed my name. And so when those three things happened to me, I had gone from who I was to who I thought I wanted to be, and finally to who the Lord wanted me to be. And after those three things happened in my life, again, over a 10-year period, I then spent the next 20 years walking my spiritual path and, you know, growing and changing as a Christian. And that's when I started all my studying and trying to learn more about what Christ was all about, what a relationship with the Lord was about. I was trying to apply the things that I was learning academically about Christianity. And one day, the Lord put upon my heart that I needed to write a book. And so I sat down and started. At that time, I was studying for my master's degree in theology at the same time. So it was a good way for me to blend what I was feeling with what I was learning. And so my first book was actually written for fallen away Christians, because I could identify with them, and seekers and searchers of truth. 
And so that's how my writing started. That is a nonfiction book specifically about, you know, discovering the Christian and spiritual path. And after I got done with that book, I was, at the time, I was living in Hawaii, and we lived on the very easternmost part of the island, overlooked across the water, we could see the big island. And one day I was out there, and I had this thought about how frightening it would be to be lost at sea, and, you know, to be alone, and, and the kinds of things that would go through one's mind in that situation. And out of that thought of experience came my first poem, my first short story. And somehow, by the grace of God, it all started just flowing like that. And 18 books later, all of these stories had tumbled out. And, you know, the one talent or the one skill that I've been able to make out of a talent is the Lord's given me a keen sense of observation. And so all of my stories, all of my poems, they're not about me. They're about other people primarily, but they're about the experiences that we all come into contact with at some point in our adult life, either firsthand or you know, from a family member or a co-worker or someone we know is going through some experience that we can identify with the emotions and the psychological aspects and, and all the trauma and drama. So all of my stories basically are about people or characters who are experiencing not necessarily earth-shattering events, but for them, events that are, you know, full of questions and full of searching and hopefully some answers. And that's where the storytelling came to be. So over the last 20 years, I've written 22 books. 18 of those are fiction, poems, and stories, short story. And, and that's where it came from. And if you would have asked me 20 years ago, I'd be the last person who ever thought that I'd sit down and be that creative and get things on paper. You know, that brought to mind a few things that I want to ask you about. But first off, let me thank you for your service. And it's important, you know, that we remember those who are currently serving and those who are veterans. So as you were talking about your journey towards writing, it made me think about a few things. You talked about having epiphany type moments that as you were studying to find out who God was and, and what God's character was like and things like that. Can you share a little bit about that? And also you were talking about being an observer of people. That's not unlike Jesus himself. Jesus obviously observed people. Those observing type skills, you know, come from the Lord for sure, like definitely a gift. So can you can you share about your epiphany moments that opened up, took the scales off your eyes to see God for who he truly was? Yeah, when I was watching some of your other guests and in the email that we had, you know, you said something about being as transparent as possible. Whenever I'm asked, you know, about these three events, I like to tell the stories because they're true, but I like to tell them because I always preface what the Lord has done for me, he will do for anyone. I'm not special. So, but what he did for me when, when I was of the world and walking the world's path, I made my living on the other side of the law. Mm. And I lived alone at the time. And one night I got up to go from the bedroom to the restroom. And as I was in the hallway, a voice in the living room called out, 
to me, called my name. And I was sort of half asleep, moving from one room to the other. And it shocked me so much that it, I immediately was awakened. You know, I, I mean, it was out of the sleep and immediately I was in the present moment. And I was really confused because I was alone. I knew there was no one in the house, and I, I, but I definitely heard my name called. And I turned around and I said, what? And that's, and that was my reaction. And there was no answer. So I gave it a little thought, but, you know, I didn't give it a lot of credence. Later, not much later, within 60 days, I was arrested and put into jail. And when I was arrested, I was frightened at the time, but there was a weight lifted off of my shoulders to such a degree that I recalled that moment that I heard the voice. And I knew then who it was that was calling out to me. Mm -hmm. And so when I made bail and got out of jail, I was scheduled to go for an arraignment. And they had already told me that, you know, there was no way I was getting out of it. And the sentence was going to be 99 years. Mm. And about five days before I was supposed to go for the arraignment, my lawyer called and he said, you don't have to show up. The case has been dismissed. And at that moment, I reflected again on the voice. And I was again astounded, but realized again who it was. Because during that whole period, between when I was arrested and, and when I got the call from the lawyer, it was like I didn't have any burden at all. And I should have been burdened to a point where, you know, I was incapable of functioning. I mean, I was mm -hmm. facing some mm -hmm. really hard time. So that was the first epiphany. The second one was several years later, and this is why I think it's so important. I like to stress to people that, you know, when you come to the Lord, it's not a one and done thing. This is a commitment that if you choose to make it, is going to be long running, hopefully for the rest of your life. So mm -hmm. things move at the Lord's time and not our time. So the second epiphany, I was on the path at this point, struggling as most you know, new or born again Christians do, being torn between what my heart was telling me I wanted to do and what my brain was telling me I wanted to do. And at that time I was in sales and I was in a, a seminar and we broke for lunch and I drove to a nearby strip mall for lunch and I pulled in and there was one parking spot available. And literally as I was looking forward on my right-hand side was a topless bar and on my left-hand side, next to it was a Christian bookstore. And I thought, man, I would really like to have a sandwich and a beer and look at naked women. <laughs> and I sat there and, you know, 30 seconds later, I said, I'd really like a sandwich and a beer and look at naked women. And I got out of the car. I went into the bookstore. I pulled a Bible off of the shelf and opened it up. And it was Proverbs 16, 9. And it says, in his heart, a man sets his course, but the Lord determines his steps. Mm -hmm. And from that moment on, I had always struggled with scripture. You know, I tried to read the Bible and couldn't get through it. And, you know, the names and the places and all so confusing. When I read that scripture, from that moment on, I could read and understand the Bible. Mm -hmm. So I started reading the Bible. 
several years later now, at the end of the 10 years, I'm living in Hawaii and I'm doing a Bible study with a couple of people. And I had decided before I moved to Hawaii to change my name from my birth name to a new name because I was on a new path. And I had decided two years earlier, actually, when I was still in California, that my last name would be I-S-O-L-E, which means I serve only Lord Emmanuel. Oh, nice. And so I knew that's what I wanted my last name to be, but I hadn't decided on a first name. And I thought, well, I really like Joshua. But for some reason, for that two years, I never took any action to it. So I was doing this Bible study with this couple one day, and I opened up the Bible, and I looked down, and it was Zechariah 3.8. And it says, I will raise up Joshua, my branch. Mm. And the Lord told me then, okay, that's your new name. And you know, if you know anything about Bible history and scripture, when the Lord gives you a name, if you choose to accept it, then you are committed and you then, you know, are in service to the Lord from that moment on. So those are the three things that changed my life from the man of the world and the world's ways, who I thought I wanted to be and who I desired to be, to the servant of God who I am today, trying to walk the path and do what he's instructing me to do. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that uh, you talk about a name change. And yes, people can do that legally here in the world. But yet, when we become Christians, God gives us a new name, you know, and when we get to heaven, we'll have our new names emblazoned on us. And some of us don't know what those are. Obviously, you know what yours is going to be because he's giving it to you now. But, (laughs) But, you know, it's important that people understand that when they come to the Lord, not only are they a new creation in Christ, but they're like a whole new person, you know, including a new name that God recognizes them, not as the old man or the old woman, but as the new man and the new woman, the new person in Christ. Like it says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Yeah, man, that's for sure. He knows who we are Mm -hmm. and he knows who he wants us to be. And, you know, he gives us lots of opportunities throughout our life to discover that and experience it. I think, you know, especially today in the world we live in, we are buried by the things of the world. And these layers of the world get you know, put upon us and, and, and kind of bury us. And we forget that we have another choice. We have another option. And, you know, that's what I try to do in, in a lot of my podcasts and my speeches and, and teaching is help people realize you can take off the blinders. You have another choice of how you can live your life, you know, should you choose to. And the blessings and the benefits of that path are so much greater than the ones you're experiencing. But, you know, the way of the world is to keep us captive and to keep us bound to the things of the world and try to make us believe that that's who we are and that's who we should be and who we should want to be and forego being anything other than what the world wants us to be. And, you know, one of the greatest things about God's love is he allows us that freedom. He gives us that free will. You know, he never coerces us. He never cajoles us. He never tries to make us feel obligated to come to him or to, you know, try a relationship with him. He leaves that up to us. And and that's why I think today it's real difficult for a lot of people to get out from under that layer upon layer of the world to see that glimmer of light that is the Lord. 
a lot of my teaching and a lot of my writing is about trying to get people to take off the blinders. There's another way. So you talk about your experiences as a writer and a speaker and so on. So you would have seen people's lives before and after the change of coming to know the Lord, talking about those observation skills. So maybe you could tell our audience about a couple that stick in your mind. As we tell people about Jesus, our hope is that they're going to have those blinders taken off their eyes and recognize their need for Christ and give their lives over to him. So what has really struck you about those conversations where you've seen God change somebody's life? And I don't mean like dramatic lightning bolt type changes, but I mean tangible things that you see in someone's life or someone's heart or someone's person the way they talk or whatever, that would have left an impression upon you about just the the depth of God's grace and love for someone? Wow, that's a great question. You know, for so many people who decide, well, a lot of people make that decision when they're at their lowest point or they believe they're at their lowest point and they've hit rock bottom and it's almost like, well, (laughs) you know, maybe I should try the Lord. Maybe I should try Christ. Maybe I should try God. It can't get any worse than this. And when they make that judgment, when they make that call to themselves that I've got to try something else, I can't go on this way any longer. The greatest thing about that decision and that commitment is when we are ready, Christ is ready. He's always waiting with open arms. And when we turn to him and invite him into our lives, his spirit then comes with us. The spirit of God himself comes through Christ and comes to dwell with our spirit. And I think that a lot of people, when that happens and they realize it, like the weight that was taken off of my shoulders, there's a weight removed. You know, the love of God is so great that it transcends all understanding. You know, we're told that in Philippians. And it's true. There's nothing in this world that can fill our hearts the way the love of the Lord can fill our heart. And when you receive his spirit, there's a peace and a calm and an understanding that we have that we never had before. You can't have it unless you have the love and the spirit of Christ within you. It's just that simple. And you can see that. And as we were talking before we came on, the interesting thing is when you meet another Christian who has the love and the light of Christ within them, you recognize it right away. And you have an immediate connection and an immediate affinity for them, regardless of, you know, where they're at in their life or what they've been through, you have a connection with them through Christ that you have an understanding. It's just, you know, it, it, it just is. And when you meet someone who's not at that place yet, who's still struggling in the world and of the world, you recognize that right away also. And, you know, those are the people, obviously, that we're trying to minister to are, are the ones who are struggling and seeking and searching. And that's the hardest thing for a Christian teacher or a minister is to reach out to that person so that they will make that heartfelt connection and not just the word. So when I see somebody there, I recognize that automatically. And it's much easier than to, you know, get into conversation with them and find out about their life. And they'll tell you about their testimony and their struggle and what brought them to Christ and what happened when they came to Christ. So let me end our talk with this. You come across somebody 
They're in that position where they're searching. They may or may not recognize that God is real. They're searching for a truth. And they say, okay, I'll give you two minutes. Tell me one thing about God that's going to change my life. What would you say to them? One thing that will change your life when you come to Christ is this. When you invite him in, his spirit will come to dwell with you. And from that moment on, every challenge that you face in your life, every issue, every problem that you have, before you make a decision as to how you will respond, if you will ask his spirit in you, what would Jesus do in this situation? His living spirit within you will show you the future. He'll show you the consequences of making that worldly choice, that selfish choice, the one that, you know, the the devil on your shoulder and the angel on your shoulder. God's spirit will show you your future. He'll show you the consequences of making the world's choice or walking the world's way. He won't show you the consequences of choosing what Jesus would have you do, what God the Father would have you do, but he will show you the negative outcome of choosing the world's way. And if you'll choose the Lord's way, he will shortly thereafter show you why you made the best choice. And that I can guarantee. Amen. That's so true. Okay. So if anybody wants to find out more about your writings or your podcast, where would they go? Sure. Thanks for asking, Johnny. I've got a website and I've got a YouTube channel. They're both my name, Branch, like a tree, Isole. I've got all kinds of free things there to read, essays, stories, poems. All my books are on my website, also available at all the usual booksellers, Barnes & Noble, Apple, Amazon. Google my name and and you'll find all the, the access places. And I appreciate it. That's awesome. Thanks so much for being on the show. And God bless you as you continue to flourish in the gifts that God's given you. Thank you, Johnny. I had a great time. Thanks for having me. Why me, Lord? What have I ever done to deserve even one of the pleasures I've known? Tell me, Lord, what did I ever do that was worth the kindness you've shown Lord help me Jesus I've wasted it so help me Jesus I know what I am now souls in your
if you think there's a way I can try to repay all I've taken from you Maybe, Lord, I can show someone else what I've been through myself on my way the last half hour as much as I did. Thank you again to Refuge Ministries Canada for hosting the show. So until next Friday, may God richly bless you with peace, love, and happiness. We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. That's 519-701-0108. God bless you.
Sorry, not I turned on the recording. Yeah, yeah. Not in that relationship. And yet, you know, when you are walking that path with the Lord, there's an immediate connection with somebody else who who is on that same connected path. And it's it's you know, it's just such a difference between those with Christ in their heart and those who are still struggling in the world, you know, without him. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I always love listening to testimony because he works in such great ways, um, you know, with, with, with people who are in different situations, but the, that, that spiritual connection and that bond is always the same. Absolutely. Yeah. 